Welcome to Sparrow Speaks, the podcast with the latest health news and information from Sparrow, MidMichigan's premier community healthcare leader. I'm your host, Deborah Howell, and today we'll be talking about hernia and hernia repair surgery. Our guest is Dr. Lewis Rashid, board-certified general surgeon with Sparrow Medical Group General Surgery. Welcome, Dr. Rashid. Hey, thanks for having me here, Deborah. What a pleasure. Let's dive right in, if that's okay with you. So what is a hernia? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a lot of patients pretty much ask me, you know, what is a hernia? What causes a hernia, et cetera? So uh, I, I always try to tell patients my best definition for a hernia is a defect in the abdominal wall, okay? So if you imagine your abdominal wall with your six pack, I always tell people their six pack or their rectus muscles, we have these sort of inherent weaknesses in them. One is near the belly button where we had our umbilical cord when we were uh, infants and, and neonates. The other spots are kind of in the groins where the, the testicles descend from inside the abdomen and out. People can have weaknesses in their abdominal wall from having previous surgeries. So just simply making an incision in the abdominal wall can sort of weaken that. Sometimes people heal up well from their surgery, sometimes they don't. And then they'll develop a bulge there that is essentially a hernia. Okay. And what are the signs and symptoms of a hernia? That's also a great question. So most folks will notice an irregular bulge in their abdominal wall. It can also be painful as well too. But most, the most common symptom though is a bulge. And so I'll have a lot of men that come into my office and they notice uh, down there their groin region, they have an irregular bulge on one side or the other. It can be painful at times. Sometimes the bulge can stick out and uh, not go back in as well too. But most of the time it's just an irregular bulge that people notice and pain is pretty much the coinciding symptom with it. Got it. So let's get to the good part. Can you tell us about some of the treatment options available here at Sparrow? So at Sparrow, my group, myself included, offer several means to repair these hernias, okay? Uh, and a lot of them are based on the, the size of the hernia. They're based on how chronic the hernia is or how old the hernia is. It's also based on also if you've had previous surgery to fix a hernia and it's come back, if the doctor that fixed you before used mesh or did not. At Sparrow, in my specialty as well, is uh, offering minimally invasive hernia repair. So uh, the traditional way of fixing a hernia is going in and making an incision on top of the skin, overlying the hernia, and kind of cutting down to the area where the hernia is at and fixing it that way, either by simply throwing sutures in and closing the opening up or to lay a mesh in there to help reinforce it. Lately, and my group, myself included, we do a lot of robotic or minimally invasive surgery, okay? And we are able to accomplish a lot from simply placing a camera inside the abdomen, blowing the abdomen up with gas or CO2, and using small instruments to sort of do our dissection from the inside. Okay, it offers a lot of benefit that way. Uh, we can accomplish a lot by doing that as well, too. Usually I can accommodate doing a large abdominal wall reconstruction or ventral hernia repair by just using three 8-millimeter incisions. Great. Now, is robotic hernia repair different from minimally invasive hernia repair? No, it's essentially the same. The minimally invasive repair means that we're doing pretty much laparoscopy or putting a scope in and using laparoscopic handheld instruments. The difference with the robot, though, is the instruments I place in are controlled by a robot that I control. Okay, so the ends of the instruments are small jaws that I'm able to twist, turn, and use my fingers on to manipulate in the tissue a lot easier than you would with the traditional laparoscopy. By doing that, I'm able to do a finer dissection. My visualization is better because I'm now looking in through the camera as if I have a lens over my eyes. 
And I'm able to perform suturing at a much quicker speed. And I think it really, it overall uh, reduces the reduction of time needed in the operating room with better outcomes. Excellent. Now, you mentioned one of the benefits, but what are more of the benefits of robotic hernia repair and minimally invasive hernia repair? Yeah, so there's actually several benefits from minimally invasive and and robotic hernia repair. I tend to think that people have a quicker return to activity again. So if we do large incisions over these hernias and have to repair them the traditional way, there's a lot of healing involved. There's a lot of a large incision usually that's involved, more pain associated with it as well, too. And so most of my patients that I do that on, I, I tend to have them wait, you know, anywhere from six to eight weeks till they're going back to full return of their activity. Now with minimally invasive repair, I, I tend to shrink that time down to about four weeks or less, depending on the type of hernia I repair. That's just because one, the incisions I use are very tiny and they don't have to worry about wounds. The other thing is those wounds can create large fluid collections underneath and sometimes that can lead to an infection. What the last thing we want to do is have a mesh that's infected. So by displacing my incisions over to the side of the abdominal wall, introducing my mesh in through a small incision, there's very minimal, very little risk of any sort of mesh getting infected. And knock on wood, I haven't had a single one yet with all the minimally invasive repairs I've done. Fantastic. You said eight weeks for traditional surgery and four weeks approximately. But what about getting back to things like driving? A lot of people ask about driving. So everybody's a little bit different. Definitely, I always tell people definitely wait, you know, anywhere from three to five days before you even consider driving. They have to be off of narcotics. They have to be comfortable and mostly as little pain as possible. There is a lot of abdominal wall usage when you're driving. You kind of don't realize it until you have a surgery. There's a lot of twisting. There's a lot of reaction time type stuff. And so I let people get back to driving anywhere in three to five days later. Every surgeon's different though. Some people may, people wait a full two weeks. Some people wait a week. I kind of will vet the patient and see if they are going to be able to tolerate driving well. And I always want to make sure that number one is safety and making sure that patients are not going back to driving or any activity too soon that could actually harm themselves or others. Yeah, no break dancing the day after your surgery. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, what about lifting though? Because some people have kids or pets and you know they want to lift them mm-hmm. up. I mean, what's the deal with that? Well, lifting or anything really that strains the abdominal wall after surgery. So I give people a general weight limit of about 15 to 20 pounds, and that could be for any sort of surgery I do with for hernia. So any groin surgery, any umbilical or belly button area surgery, or any hernia surgery of the anterior abdominal wall from a previous surgery they've had and they got a large hernia. I don't want them to lift heavy things, and that's because they are going to be straining, and I need their body at that point in time to sort of heal. Since I do use a mesh, I want that mesh to scar into place. If you're engaging your core muscles too much, you're going to be potentially shifting that mesh or causing it not to heal as well, and that might increase your risk for a recurrence or the hernia coming back. So a lot of people have pets. They have dogs. They have small children. I make sure preoperatively that we have an agreement that they're either going to have help or somebody that can assist them with those sorts of activities. Let's say a 110-pound dog going for a walk. If they pull you, it's going to be a lot of force you have to apply to, to pull them back. So I don't want that. And that's just for you to heal in the short period of time postoperatively. Got it. Anything exciting on the horizon for hernia repair surgery? 
Well, the robot is really the, the sort of the big thing now for hernia repairs. And there's different techniques that we are doing with the robot with regards to how we're approaching these hernias. Sometimes we don't go completely in the abdomen at all. We can actually go right underneath the muscle in different layers of the abdomen to do our hernia repairs. There's different ways that we can keep the mesh away from small intestine and things like and colon and things like that so that we don't have to worry about any sorts of adhesions or scar tissue forming. That's sort of the beauty with these types of repairs that we do, and especially using the robot, is that we can dissect different layers of the abdominal wall, hide our meshes in those layers, and hopefully prevent any future complications. That's fantastic. My last question is, how can you prevent a hernia, or can you? That's a good question. So to prevent a hernia, most of these hernias that I deal with, there's really no good way to prevent them unless you've had a surgery prior. So let's say, for instance, a, a man comes in with a, a groin hernia in my office. Most of the time, those are just going to occur as you age. That canal where the testicle initially descended when you're a neonate, that should obliterate or close down. As you get older in your 60s or 70s or 50s, whatever, your tissues get looser, okay? And that canal opens up again and now you've developed a hernia. It's nothing you could have done or anything like that. There are some times where people didn't know they have a hernia and then they do a strong activity like lifting up a 50, 100 pound thing and all of a sudden they feel a bulge. That probably was a pre-existing hernia that you didn't feel that you may have just made a little bit worse, okay? So not to say that you caused a hernia, but it eventually was going to form at some point in time. Another way to prevent hernias from forming is, say, for instance, you had a surgery where somebody had to make an incision on your belly. You want to make sure you do your best to let that incision heal. So after surgery, you don't lift anything for six to eight weeks. You follow the doctor's guidelines, and hopefully that incision heals without forming a hernia there. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rashid. What a pleasure to have you on with us today and all this great information. Thank you very much for having me. I did also want to include one other thing about mesh and the use of mesh and safety of mesh. So I think I had alluded to it earlier, but everybody that comes into my office has always seen the commercials about mesh infections and a lawyer suing somebody for mesh. Really, the important thing is we use mesh and mesh has to be used in the appropriate setting. So if we didn't use mesh, we would be repairing these hernias over and over and over again, especially people with a hernia that's eight or nine inches across the abdomen. Uh, they would be recurring very often. So the important thing is using a mesh, using it in the safe setting, and making sure that the type of mesh you use is designed for what you're using it for. So there's different ones I use in the groin that are not coated on one side to prevent bowel adhesions. There's ones that are specifically coated to prevent bowel adhesions because that is actually in contact with the, with the bowel, the small intestine or colon, and you don't want to form adhesions or scar tissue to it. So I think that's something I'd like to emphasize is that mesh is safe and we use it as a standard of care for repair of hernias across the country. Thanks definitely for that explanation. And thanks again for being with us on the podcast today, Dr. Rashid. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great opportunity to be able to speak and, and provide people the sort of the needed information for a, a very important topic and a very common topic, actually. Absolutely. And to learn more about Sparrow Surgery Procedures, you can visit sparrow.org slash SMG General Surgery Lansing. And be sure to subscribe to Sparrow Speaks in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts for our additional healthcare topics. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Thanks for listening and have yourself a terrific day.